Welcome, and thanks for joining us as episode one of the C-Level Strategic Guide for Siam Investments podcast, brought to you by CIO.com and sponsored by ACTA. I'm Barbara Call, Senior Director of Content Strategy and Operations with IDG. Today, we'll be talking about customer identity and access management and why it's essential to your business. I'm joined today by two speakers. First up is Keith Casey, API Problem Solver at ACTA. Welcome, Keith. Hey, thanks for having me here today. Also joining me today is Swaroop Sham, Group Product Marketing Manager at Okta. Welcome, Swaroop. Hey, good morning, everyone. Nice to meet all of you. So let's start with the basic definition of customer identity and access management, which is also known as SIAM. Keith, why don't we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. So SIAM, the way it's structured, is kind of the, the next generation of what identity and access management were for employees. So if you think about uh, when you come into work and you sign on to your applications uh, or your laptop and in your applications and throughout your day, having a, a secure, seamless sign-on experience there is, is vitally important. When we take that workforce or employee experience and we take it over to the customer identity space, it's even more important to have a seamless experience because your customers if they're not happy, if you're not satisfying their needs, if you're not meeting their goals, they won't be your customers for long. So it's applying a lot of the same principles that way. And to add to that at a higher level, when you think about a consumer identity, as Keith pointed out, it's all about solving a few key and very interesting uh, consumer facing problems. It's all about accurately identifying your customers, establishing a digital identity, and then and serving your customers based on that established digital identity. Put it in another way, uh, the focus of SIAM is to solve the needs of marketing, security, and privacy to clearly identify and meet the needs of the business so that you have the right customers onboarded on your platform, verified, and having the right level of access into the applications that you, that you serve to them. All right. Excellent. Thank you both. So let's talk a little bit about why it's essential for CIOs and CSOs to understand SIAM. Keith, let's start with you. Yeah, so CIOs and CISOs have to understand SIAM because fundamentally they, they have a seat at the table. Security is often an afterthought in too many situations, and we need to bring that to the, the forefront. Specifically, when, like Sorup said, when you're tying into these marketing and these login experiences and identity proofing, you're tying in all these concepts that go together to make sure, yes, definitively, this is our customer. You're collecting potentially a ton of personally identifiable information. If you're working in a, a regulated industry, well, even if you're not in a regulated industry, GDPR, CCPA, you know, the different privacy acts still apply. In a regulated industry, all of that's amped up even higher. So when we start thinking about HIPAA or banking regulations, those all fall pretty heavily on the CIO and CISO. While marketing often drives a lot of these initiatives and the product team often has uh, deep motivation to get customers onboarded quickly and easily, CIO and the CISO, they're the ones that, uh, for lack of a better term, suffer the consequences if this goes wrong. So they need to be involved. They need to have insight into what's going on. And in some ways, they need to help direct it to the right and safe answers for everyone involved. Flaurup, what do you think? Yeah, when it comes down to it, protecting the business is a direct relationship with trust. And today, customers place it. There's a lot of huge emphasis on the trust associated with the brand. And it's hard to say that CIOs and CISOs don't have a stake in establishing and protecting trust associated with that brand. So while, you know, traditionally a lot of companies assume it's all about protecting and securing 
it's very important for even for the growth of the company that the brand is associated highly with trust and CIOs and CISOs have a key strategic role to play in protecting that. All right. Thank you both. So, Keith, you mentioned having a seat at the table. Who else has a seat at the table and why? And then my second part is, how does a SIAM initiative get started and who drives it? At this point, it almost feels like who doesn't have a seat at the table. When we look at, uh, obviously, the CIO and the CISO, they, they have an obvious place there. But then when we get into the actual operational side of things, we need to think about the CMO or the chief data officer, potentially. When they they need to be able to have a clear, a crystal clear view of the customer. And that means connecting to all the different components that that your organization uses, whether that's the, the sales system like a CRM or whether that's a customer support system. Uh, but just to have a, a clear view of here's what the customer is dealing with, here's what they're going through right now, and here's going to be the result of it. And then on the flip side, that's that's all in the sort of the pipeline leading in. The other group that has a big seat at the table is the, the chief product officer, someone on that camp, to be able to make sure that this customer has onboarded successfully, that they're doing the things that make their product or their service successful, not just in the short term in the onboarding process, but in the long term. Are we doing the things that make our systems useful and sticky of time? Uh, so what am I missing here? You, you, hit, you hit that on the nail, Keith. I think, you know, the one very interesting aspect of CIA in particularly is that every part of the organization has a stake uh, in, its, uh, in its purchase. It has a very strategic impact for the company. So as you pointed out, everyone from CISO, CIO, CMO, CTOs, to line of business and direct product line owners, uh, they have a huge stake in this. You know, just to add to that, uh, you know, we have also seen like uh, stakeholders also from like very unique and different parts of the business, right? We now see a lot of engineers coming in, being very involved in the uh, in the CIM purchase and buy. So yeah, as in, I think it invites a huge swath of people, and um, and it's rightfully so. I think everyone needs to be on the seat of the table. It's such a strategic part. Okay, thank you. So lots of people at the table. Let's talk about what are the most common challenges and issues around SIAM. Let's start with you this time. Yeah, I think uh, broadly speaking, um, when we look at the uh, CIAM, like, you know, common requirements or challenges that customers talk to us about, they're focused on a few key uh, areas, right? The first uh, area that they think about is, can I uniquely identify and manage my user? Like the, some people call it user management, you know, but it's, it all comes down to, can I identify my user from a general population set? Uh, and kind of, can I work with them to serve them better? The second piece is once I've established them on my platform, can I safely give them access? Can I build the trust conversation that we just had, right? Can I give them, can I authenticate them with trust? Uh, and can I secure them through their, through their access in my platform? But also beyond that, um, you know, we have areas around devices, right? Like, you know, things like how do I ensure access from any device? Or inversely, when you flip this conversation around and we look at it from a business opportunity standpoint, right? Uh, it becomes very important to understand, like, how can the identity service serve the business? How can my organization leverage, um, you know, new business models and tie in user identity into that so that I can launch new services or like, you know, rapidly deploy new uh, products to the market? So there's a number of different uh, there's a number of different challenges and issues around CIM and companies and organizations are really looking to address some of these key concerns about um, about their go to market strategy. Keith, what do you think? No, I think that covered it really well, especially from the the outside perspective. 
I think from the inside perspective, we still have a lot of um, struggles with understanding where all the customer data is. So I mentioned earlier the CRM system, the customer support system. Those are the obvious places. There's probably also um, just email interactions that you have with customers on a regular basis. There's probably uh, your web traffic analytics. Maybe if you're using a uh, web autom or marketing automation platform, there's mailing lists. There's all those different places. So I think getting all those components together is probably one of the biggest struggles. Um, and having a, having that crystal clear view of the customer ends up being a lot more challenging than we think. And that's both important for the, the CMO side of the house. We need to make sure that they, they know what the customer is doing, what they're struggling with, uh, how their problems are being solved. But then also from a regulatory and compliance standpoint, if we look at something like GDPR and the right to be forgotten, when a customer or prospect contacts you and says, please delete my data, you need to have confidence that you know where all their data is. And a lot of organizations don't have that right now, or they have a, a partial view of it and they don't have a lot of confidence. So I'd say one of the biggest challenges is simply, where's my customer data? How can we link this together? How can we have that single view, both for viewing and analysis and for deletion if necessary? All right. Thank you, Keith. So I think we all know that, you know, solving those kind of challenges usually starts with some kind of assessment, right? Determining where you are on a spectrum. And ACTA has outlined the means of determining where companies fall in the SIAM maturity spectrum. So Spiro, can you walk us through the four phases? Yeah, absolutely. So I think before we walk through each of the individual stages, uh, I think some context is absolutely necessary, right? So when we look at, uh, you know, Keith, myself, and the broader Octa team, we work with a lot of customers of varying sizes. You know, we have seen uh, young, and, young and nimble startups that are just getting off the door work with us, as well as some of the largest global uh, companies. And what we really thought about in when we try to give a framework for this, uh, for how Siam has, has kind of evolved in the market, we really thought about and looked at some of the recurring patterns that we see across the board. Uh, and kind of put a framework about both from a requirements perspective, but also from a life cycle perspective. So jumping straight into it, uh, we thought about it in about four um, broad categories. We call this basic, where you're really uh, in the early stage of the early uh, life cycle of your identity journey. And from an organizational standpoint, this is mainly organizations that are getting into the market, trying to prove a product market fit and really getting started with their digital service that they're trying to offer to their customers. The next natural iteration for these companies as they move on to the next stage is what we call it automated. And this is for companies that have already proved out their initial business model. They've already got a product in the market. They, the product is out there and you know, they have users. And they're now looking to like kind of centralize and scale uh, their, their identity journey. And they're probably at this point of time, you know, some of the common characteristics are they're trying to offer an additional new product or a new service. And they really are trying to bootstrap their existing customers onto the new product. That's a common example that we see. Uh, and, we call, and, and this is a very common uh, characteristic or attribute of the automated phase. The next phase that we have is what we call as intelligent. And we see a lot of mature businesses in this category, right? Where the focus is purely on optimization and really delivering uh, key value to the business. And finally, the last uh, phase of this is what we call as continuous. And these are really the trailblazers. These are the people who are really defining the industry. They're really setting up new standards and leading the charge. They're really sometimes 
being key partners with us as we think about new designs and new concepts, um, and they bring that to life with us. So we thought about this, uh, and this is a we thought about this as some of the what makes it the continuous phase, um, and a lot of cutting edge companies who are really doing uh, brand new stuff belong in this category. Yeah, that's how we thought about it. But there's also additional D that we thought through. Keith, what do you think? Yeah, I like the other side. Um, so the mindset we approach this with is this is something that, that we do every day. And the organizations we're working with, they do every five or 10 years tops. And so being able to to extract, like, what are the good patterns on reuse those? And I think one of the single most important things we discovered in all this is that this is cross industries, cross geographies, cross sizes of companies, you know, that, that little startup that's root mentioned and that small initiative at a fortune 50 company, they look a lot alike. And the reason we found that the, the concerns they have, the mindset that they have at each of those four different stages ends up being very, very familiar and very similar. So when you're at the basic stage, you're just getting things off the ground. You're just you, you've launched some simple components, things are starting to, to roll out and you're excited, but you're not sure what you want to invest your time in yet. It's still a lot of experimentation. Once you get to the automated stage, then you've, you've had success. Things are growing. Things are kind of at the point where uh, one person or even a small team can't or maybe doesn't want to handle these things. The consequences are getting big, screwing things up. And then once we get to the intelligence phase, it's, it's way more interesting because now we've got enough data. We've got enough insight into our customers or our users and what they're doing and how they're doing it. We can extract those patterns. Um, but we, we couldn't even consider that till now. And so we're not just thinking about how do we operate at scale. We're trying to think about how do we detect the things that are wrong before we realize they're wrong. And that, that's a fun, exciting stage to be at. And then the, the continuous approach, and that, that takes everything that we've done up to that point. And like I said, the, the small startup just getting off the ground is starting at that basic stage. But so is that Fortune 50 project at that, with that new initiative. And watching organizations work through each of those stages. And it's kind of funny. When I've talked with customers, especially like roundtables and stuff like that, there's almost a, a kinship that happens between this, this little company and this big startup or the, this big company that has like kind of an entrepreneurial feel to aspect of it. And they, they kind of get each other. And I, I think that's just exciting to see. So we've tried to capture that and being able to map that to actually making sure that organizations, their, their customer identity is the problems are being solved at each stage and growing to meet those challenges. Okay. Thank you both. That was great. Before we continue our conversation, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. The C-Level Strategic Guide for Siam Investment podcast is presented by CIO.com in partnership with Okta. Okta is the leading independent identity provider. The Okta Identity Cloud enables organizations to securely connect the right people to the right technologies at the right time. With more than 6,500 pre-built integrations to applications and infrastructure providers, Okta provides simple and secure access to people and organizations everywhere, giving them the confidence to reach their full potential. More than 9,400 organizations, including JetBlue, Nordstrom, Siemens, Slack, T-Mobile, Teach for America, and Twilio, trust Okta to help protect the identities of their workforces and their customers. Visit Okta.com. Now back to our show. Welcome back. We've been talking about Siam. 
I understand the three main features of an effective SIAM solution are authentication, authorization, and user management. Keith, can you explain this to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So the three steps come in from the very beginning. So obviously we can't, we don't have users to manage until somebody logs in. So we have to make sure that the authentication process is secure, um, that we have some, have a good idea who they are. Uh, all, all those sort of check boxes are met. Once we've had the person authenticate, then we can start thinking about authorization. We can think about how they're approaching things, uh, what they have access to, what they don't have access to, and are things across the board there. Uh, and then when we get into user management, that just is, you know, making sure that our our users are managed properly in terms of password resets, in terms of onboarding and offboarding, in terms of making sure that if something happens in the system, their account access, their account information gets updated properly. Uh, so it's those kind of things. I know I'm missing something here. Swarup, help me out. No, I think you did a great job, Keith, like covering on uh, the core concepts here. But I think uh, when you think about authentication, right, it's, as, in, as Keith mentioned, it's all about validating the right user has the right access uh, into the platform. Uh, but it's also very importantly ensuring that the security of the user is maintained. The trust that we mentioned earlier is protected um, so that you use the right form of authentication for the user to get into the account. The most common form of authentication that we all know about is username and password. Uh, think of that as being the form of authentication that you use. But frequently, you know, you, all, you also leverage things like you know, an OTP token to authenticate. That is also part of the authentication journey. From an authorization perspective, it's all about having the right amount of right level of access to the application or resource. And finally, from a user management perspective, uh, ensuring that you know, every user has the right amount of access and as they go through your platform, uh, you know, their life cycle is completely maintained inside of that platform, uh, ensuring that they're correctly added into different applications they need access to, and then they're deleted when they leave the platform. Those are the key fundamental concepts we hear all the time from authentication, authorization, and user management. Okay. Thank you, Swarup. So it looks like we have time to explore one more topic, SIAM architectural scenarios. So I have a short list here to run through. We have business to consumer IAM, business to business IAM, single sign-on for regular web apps, SPA and API, and mobile and API. Keith, can you help us out here? Wow, that's a, that's a mouthful. I'll, I'll take a couple of these and hand them off to Swaroop. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorites are the, the business to business IAM because when we think about onboarding customers, if, if it's a, a business to consumer app, we have to think about one-off customers, one by one. When we're thinking about business to business, we're not selling uh, individual consumer licenses. We're calling to that organization to onboard all their users at once. Um, the previous approach to doing that would be uh, a mess. We would have to get their users exported from their system, import them into ours, reset passwords. There was a, a lot of effort and onboarding process and a lot of places where things could go wrong. With our approach to inbound federation is the proper terminology here, we can actually set things up so that there's a trust relationship between an identity provider out the business uses and the other business uses. So when business A signs up business B, they set up a trust relationship. And what happens is business B can now manage their users. They can onboard new people when they hire people. When people leave, they can move them from the system. And business A doesn't have to worry about any of that. Instead, they say, well, if you've successfully logged into your identity provider, business B employees, now you log into us the same way. 
and all that user administration is delegated off. And business B now doesn't have to worry about employees who have left now having still having access to things. Things just happen and they, they syndicate automatically. So I think that's immensely valuable. Uh, inbound federation is the core concept there, and it, it solves a lot of problems a lot faster and easier. But then that's that's the the business operational side of things. I'd also like to flip it around. You you mentioned uh, single page apps and APIs and mobile and APIs. I'd like to look at the API side of things. That that's actually my focus in my day job as the API problem solver. We have so many breaches happening in the world because of APIs that haven't been secured or haven't been secured properly. We can all think of a, a number of major data breaches that have happened of companies of all shapes and sizes, every industry. But every single time that happens because of a handful of reasons. And the most common reason is no authentication whatsoever. People haven't even put a username and password on it. Instead, they've said, well, this is the API behind a mobile application or behind my kiosk. No one will ever find it. And unfortunately, that's horribly wrong. Somebody's going to find it. They're going to find it within minutes of it launching, and they're going to misuse and abuse it. But then the other problem is that a lot of times they put simple authentication in place, but they forget about authorization. So I can look at my records, but I shouldn't be able to look at your records. And they're, they're not drawing boundaries between those two systems. In fact, if you look at most major breaches the last few years, that's exactly what happened, where hackers were able to use the, the old hacker method of counting to look at record one, then record two, then record three, regardless of ownership. And if your SIAM tooling, if your security operations tooling isn't considering those things, you've left a massive hole in your security architecture without even realizing it. Um, so th those are the kind of ones that are near to dear in my, to my heart. Uh, Saroop, which ones are near and dear to yours? Hey, you couldn't be more right on the API side of things, right? It, it feels like it, another day doesn't go by when we hear a, of a new data breach or a you know, user, user data breach via an API. So apart from the API piece, I think one thing that's very close to me is the business-to-consumer IAM and single sign-on for regular web apps. On the business-to-consumer IAM or you know, the traditional consumer-facing CIAM as I, as I think about it, uh, you know, this is all about authenticating users and giving access to the application, uh, that single web application. But a very closely aligned approach to this is obviously single sign-on for regular web apps or when you have multiple web apps, right? Uh, I like to think about businesses like Amex, which have, you know, they definitely have the credit card business, but you also might be a travel business customer, right? Um, and a great single sign-on experience is a great way for you to access between these different applications. So there might be a number of different considerations, different architectural considerations to think through, but when it comes to business to consumers, Siam, it's mostly about accessing that single uh, web or mobile uh, application that you have access to, um, traditionally through a web or mobile application, but increasingly we're also seeing a lot of access requests coming in through an API. So yeah, that's what I see. Uh, and Keith, you did a great job covering all the other contexts as well. All right, thank you both. So before we close up, any last closing thoughts? Yeah, so I, I think probably one of the biggest things that you have to think of when we think about customer identity and SIAM is that this isn't a flip the switch and you're done. It's not a, a simple, easy process where uh, it's a single initiative that'll just be uh, started and finished and now you don't have to worry about it again. Organizations need to understand that the reason we developed a maturity curve is because this is an ongoing process. There are ongoing components that 
you will not think about on day one, but you realize later on that they need to be connected. There's understanding that you get as more customers are using the system more regularly. As you and your operations grow and mature, there's going to be new ideas that you have. So we, I really hope that organizations stop thinking of this as we, we sign one deal, we flip the switch, now we're done, everything's happy and we're, we're great. And think of it more of, this is what we're doing now. This protects us now. And also, this gives us leverage for future opportunities that right now we, we think we know, but there's going to be others we can't predict. So what do you think? Hey, you hit that on the nail, Keith. I think um, when I think about uh, CIM, one thing I call upon the C, the C execs in the, in the conference here is that CIM has a huge strategic impact to the organization. It impacts not just you know, the identity organization or the CIO or the VP of Eng. Uh, it involves every part of the business. It touches upon security, marketing, privacy, and many more parts of the business. So as you think about CIM, remember it is a journey. It is a very strategic journey, and there are many important steps in this process. And being part of that journey is very, very critical um, in delivering success with the CIM solution. All right. Thank you so much, Keith and Swaroop. Great discussion. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode in our The C-Level Strategic Guide for SIAM Investment podcast series. I encourage you to tune in for episode two, where we'll explore phase one on Octa's maturity scale. You're new to SIAM. Now what? This podcast series is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. For more information, be sure to visit www.octo.com. For IDG and Octa, I'm Barbara Call. This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications Incorporated in association with Okta.